brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast, where we interview entertainment pros about their careers and how they became successful in the industry. The secrets to their success here every week. Here's your host, Sean Ventura. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Ventura. And I just want to say go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review. Today on the show, we have a very good friend of mine, Tom Byers. He's a musician, artist, video editor. He's done a ton of stuff. He's been in a bunch of bands. He's a great guy. It's going to be fun. Here we go. We are live now. I'm here with Tom Byers, my good buddy. What's up, Tommy? Hey, how's it going today? Hey, man. So uh, this is our first video podcast for the Lights Camera Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Matora. And uh, Tommy's here. We're going to talk to him about his career in music and television. He's an artist. So welcome, Tom. Hey, See you. Happy Friday. Hey, man. Let the people uh, see behind you there. Let, let them see that guitar. What is that guitar and setup? You said you're in the music room. I'm in the music room. Yeah, this is where my band practices, although we haven't practiced in a while because of COVID. the social distancing factor, and it's too right. small for more than one person. Right, right. When did you know that you wanted to be an artist and do music and TV eventually? But when did you know you wanted to be an artist? Were you a kid? Were you in high school? My family were full of artists and musicians, so always around it. Got to do a lot of traveling early on, so I've always loved looking at art and creating art. And I like the way that you can create art with other people. Sharing that, too, is awesome. And um, I guess, you know, I started doing these light sculptures in, I think it was ninth grade, and I've been creating art since. And then like 10th cool. grade. Can you, can you explain uh, that? Sorry, what, what kind of light sculptures? I would create these frames and then put a canvas over it and a light behind it. And I would paint over the canvas and it would sort of light up like a, a painting that was alive. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I've sort of continued that now. And lately I've been working on my garden and have these walls that I put these older windows in and, you know, have like wood slats between the, you know, where the windows are not. And then I paint over the windows. So when the sun goes through, you can see it and it looks great. Now I've had some friends uh, collaborate with me and they painted some windows too. So that's been great. Cool. Yeah, I think I saw something like that years ago. I've known you for years, so um, I think I saw something like that years ago. You showed me some pictures. So, yes. um, what? When do you start playing music? When do you start messing around with video cameras? Is that high school, or, or are you still doing actually, art? We were lucky enough to actually have a video studio at our high school, and um, my teacher Dangerfield Ashton showed me how to work a camera and a three quarter inch videotape machine. I was hooked from then. Although when I got out of high school, I decided I wanted to 
pursue audio as an audio engineer. So went to school in Chillicothe, Ohio at the recording workshop, which is a really great school. And then after that, my brother was in Los Angeles and he was like, come on out to LA. You know, if you want to do audio, you should be out in Los Angeles. So went out there and went to school at the audio, audio video Institute of technology. And, um, then got a job working in the studio as a night engineer. And it was really, they had a lot of great bands come through that studio that didn't necessarily work with, but got to be around all the, a lot Any of the bands that you can tell us about there. any bands you can tell us about. Yeah. The Minutemen, um, most cool. of black flag artists from back in the, that day, you know, black flag and I'm sorry, SST was the label, but, um, black flag recorded there and the Minutemen. Okay. So and, hold on, hold uh, on. Black Flag is Henry Rollins, correct? The poet? It was, I believe, he was, yes, yes. He's the lead singer because I was yes. obsessed with them in college. And I remember I went to a Black Flag Gang Green concert in Boston when, when I was at Emerson. And somebody was stage diving and they kicked me in the head with a combat yeah. boot. And I was like, oh my God, what the hell am I doing here? But uh, it was great music, man. I love their music. Yeah, the music's great. I think actually Keith Morris was the original singer, but and Henry Rollins took over. But yeah, there was so much great music in Los Angeles back then. And I worked at some interesting studios, got to record, you know, any different people from a lot of people you've never heard of to... Um, got to record Megadeth and Jan and Dean got to work with as a, a recording producer. I, I met a guy who was actually from South Carolina, Georgia, originally Bruce mm -hmm. Joyner and I started producing his records. And we had a couple of people come in like John, what was his name? Uh, Ray Man, I'm sorry. Ray Manzarek came in the, and the keyboardist for the doors, right? Yeah, he was for the he, he played keyboards for the Doors, and he came in. And I remember, he like, came in the studio the session I was producing, and there was a tack piano in there, and he started playing this, you know, this door, you know, Doors songs on the tack piano. It just was like, oh man, this is so cool, so cool. You know, it's like you meet, <laughs> you know, when you do meet your idols, I guess you 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 think, well, I hope they're nice, and I've been lucky. I mean, Ray was one of the nicest guys I ever met. And, you know, different people. I haven't really met someone that I didn't like yet. So cool. Cool. So you're in the recording studio there. Uh, where do you go from there, Tom? Well, and I was out in Los Angeles for most of the 80s. And then 89, I had a band that we were playing around and I was trying to figure out a way to get back home, you know. So I'm like, let's set up a tour. So we toured across country. Got to play with a lot of different people going across country. We played in Phoenix. We played in Austin, New Orleans, you know, crazy, crazy. I mean, we played in New Orleans. We played at 2 o'clock in the morning at a interesting, crazy bar. And then we played in Austin. We actually got to open up for the Lemonheads, and that was really cool. Awesome. And um, just, you know, going through, we got to go play CBGBs in New York. During that wait, same wait, tour. What, you got to talk about that for a second. What was that like? Because I, I went to CBGB's once and and they had painted it like 50 times and there was still pee on the floor. And yes, like it, yeah, it was the just bathrooms were uh, and beer very and, and yeah. very loud with smell. But it was still <laughs> so, it was great playing there. I think we were sort of at the tail end of that in 89. So, you know, it wasn't as much punk bands as they were heavy metal bands and their bands sound like Pablo Cruz there. So 
wasn't quite as you know romantic as the early days, but right. it was still fun. You know, well, so, play, um, so were you touring with Bruce Joyner and that band, or was this a different band? This was my band. This is actually Out of the Fire, which is the band that I started. Okay, and um, we did. I did some touring around with with Bruce too. So. You know, none of it's been, you know, it's all been when you go on the road and you don't have a lot of money, you're not sort of unknown. It's, um, you know, you still, you you know, all sleep in the same room. So it's not as, you know, not as fun as it could be maybe if you had a bunch of money, but we still had a great time and shared a lot of great memories with bandmates. Yeah, I just interviewed this woman, Katie uh, Snyder, who's a photographer and a life coach and a podcaster. And she gave her business up for two years to some friends and uh, and traveled with her husband, who's in a band. And for two years, they just traveled in a van with the band. And she was like the manager. And she said it was amazing. Uh, it was an incredible yes. life experience. So were you playing – I know you play bass now. Were you playing bass then or were you playing some other – I play guitar, you know, okay. um, songwriter, guitarist, arranger – recording engineer, producer, whatever. But during that tour, we, the, I think the, uh, my favorite shows we played in Erie, Pennsylvania, and it was Friday the 13th of October. And, uh, it was a full moon mm -hmm. and it was just one of those magical nights. We, we were, you know, because we we're playing punk, people didn't all, always dig the music, but that night we played, there was a band opening up and they were the local sort of cover band doing the sixties and seventies hits. And, uh, we were like, Oh, they're not, they're going to hate us. And we played and they loved us. And we went to this, um, Victorian mansion after the show and stayed up all night and met all these new, interesting, fun people. And that was just like, you're, you know, kind of magic that happens, you know, on tour. Yeah, and it was. Uh, and it was and how would you always, describe the music? Would you say it was like punk or or? Punk is so such a term that a lot of people use for pretty much different types, you know, of music. But hmm. we weren't like hardcore punk. We were more like post pop punk, okay. you know, in that respect. Very cool. So so you're touring, and then what happens after that? Do you go to ESPN, or are you doing other stuff first? Well, first, well. We got, you know, we toured across country and I got back to South Carolina and I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't think I want to go back to LA. So I just was like, I'm done. You know, so we played some shows around and then, um, my girlfriend at the time was playing bass and, um, I'm like, Hey, I'm staying here. And she ended up sticking around for a while and then she moved back and the other guys moved back, but I decided to stay because, you know, I was, you know, tired of the LA grind but um, then I was going to school, taking electronic engineering, and I saw an ad at the TV station for a mash control operator. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'll try that. And that was my first job, you know, overnight master control, doing the gold, you know, 10 hours of the Golden Girls in a row or something like that. And um, did that, got to work in the tape room, and then um, – they were doing laybacks, layoffs, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, have to get rid of some people." So, you know, I've got an opening in the newsroom doing uh, the prompter. So I was like, I'll "Do prompter," and then I got into prompter, you know, doing a prompter. Then right. I worked, did camera, and then um, audio, 
and switching. And then, um, you know, I wanted to get into writing. So there was a community service person there that wanted someone to produce PSAs. So I started, that's how I started writing was doing PSAs for her. And that was a great learning experience too, getting to use the camera and write and produce and, you know, put music. Then, um, my, you know, the band I was playing in, um, we had just worked with Peter Buck of REM. He produced a record to the local Spartanburg paper, put us, uh, had us on the front cover. And then my boss came to me and goes, ah, I play guitar too. You know, I, I'm from Athens and, you know, I love music and I, I'm like, let's do, let's do something cool, like a video show. So I got to produce my own 30 minute rock and roll video show called Turn It Up. And, um, Got to work with a bunch of fun bands that came through. We recorded Hootie and the Blowfish and a bunch of other bands of that caliber during that time. And of course, I put my band on there, too. And uh, that was fun. We did that for almost a year. And I got to interview. The highlight, I guess, of that whole thing was getting to interview uh, Ray and Dave from the Kinks. And I still have that video. Oh, that was cool. So, cool. so where did it yeah. play? Where did it broadcast? And Channel 7, which was a, uh, I think, top 30 market because it was, you know, Spartanburg, Asheville and Greenville. So it was it was a pretty good sized market and they had a really nice studio. And um, it was, I mean, such a great learning experience working there because I learned so much. And then um, after being there for like four years working local TV, I was sort of ready to move on and. My brother's like, oh, the guy we grew up with, Dan Young, is working for ESPN now, and he's doing a Braves game in Atlanta if you want to come up. So I'm like, okay, sure. you know. So he got us backstage passes, and I was at the old stadium before I had the fire. So basically, you know, I had a press pass. So I went and sat you know, in behind the home plate, and that was so much fun. And then I talked to Dan, and I'm, he's like, you should um, come up to ESPN and work up there. So I'm, I'm like, okay. So I set up an interview and then worked up there for – just over three years. And that was a great learning experience too, because they had state of the art equipment and wait, this was at the Braves. Sorry. No, he was actually doing it. Um, ESPN show doing the brave. So he was, okay. I thought he was was working for ESPN. He said, come up, you know, Hey, come up to Connecticut and, you know, work for ESPN. I'm like, okay, sure. So I was up there for three years and, you know, in Bristol, we lived in New Britain, and then um, what was that like? What, what was it like? Okay, give me a, a time. Uh, you're in you're in ESPN in the '80s and the '90s, and what is it like there? Because it's kind of new, right? It's not that old. Um, I think it'd been around. I, I started actually. That was, um, I guess, like early '90s when I was there. So okay. When I, when I started there, they'd been around ESP was the first day. My very first day was the very first day of ESPN two. And they had a big party there and it was the very first day and MC hammer was playing the party. So, I mean, my very first day was like MC hammers hosting this big party there. So, right. And then I did work with, um, the first thing was the ESPN show that had Keith Oberman and Susie, What's her name? I Susie Orman. Susie Orman. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she, they both, and uh, downtown Julie Brown was on the show too. And it was like I remember that show. show. What was that yeah. called? I can't remember what it was called. Like, uh, 
I can't remember, ESPN2 tonight or something, but it was a four-hour show, so we had to stand on our feet for almost five hours. So that was And a what big were you doing, day. Tom, on the show? What were you doing? I was a camera operator. Okay. And, and then uh, after that, were you running the board or anything? Or didn't you say I you ran really, the switcher or something? Mainly did camera and editing at ESPN. Cool. Then after ESPN, where do you go? Because I know you want to make this uh, a little quick, so we'll fly through it. Moved back south and um, end up at Turner Studios. And um, Really? You weren't in between ESPN and Turner? There was nothing? Weren't you at there CNN? There was some time where I was working as a freelancer and playing music. And um, I did like – yes, when I did move back to Charlotte, uh, I moved with ESPN. They had they opened up a post house, uh, created post and transfer, and I worked there as assistant editor. Whoa, whoa wait a minute! I was just talking to John Dilling two days. I guess well, I actually just finished his podcast, and he worked there. Were you there yes, with John Dilling? There too. Yes. No. No, I did work. He was he was before me. Okay. Was, he worked there before me. Okay. And. Um, I was there because he was there. I think ESPN bought it, and then slowly it became a sports facility versus being like for production for commercials. And I was sort of the start of that. And I work. I was working. I think seven days a week doing sports and doing, you know, working on the weekends doing college football, and then. They asked me if I wanted to work as a freelancer and get paid twice as much. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do freelance. So I was the chief editor of the NASCAR Today show on ESPN2. For, and that was in Charlotte? Three years. This was in Charlotte, yeah. And then oh. I, from there, I moved to Turner, yes. Okay, cool. So, uh, you know, tell us about Turner, but you can also tell us about the Bruce Joyner experience. I know I went over your house and saw you guys were building a studio and Bruce was there. Uh, if you want to talk about that a little bit or if you want to talk about. Yes, we built a studio and um, we recorded, I think we did four albums there. And okay. we had some success in Europe with the record. And that was a lot of fun, just writing and producing and playing the music and then Turner was awesome. There were so many creative people there and just the way that they think outside the box is really good too. I mean, it's, you know, like I met you and so many people, John Dilling, so many great people that, you know, you learn different styles and different ways to look at the way you're doing editing or any video product that you're doing producing. We did a short film together. It was so much fun. It was called The Castle. That was a lot of fun too. Um, when you, you uh, came to me, it was it was a great way to be creative and work with people that were, you know, like side minds. We wanted to do art, and that was so much fun acting. I'd never acted in anything, but you came to me and you wanted me to do it, and we had a great time. Yeah, it was so awesome. And I remember the end there where we're all dancing by the pool with the band. Do you remember that band? It was with Matt White and Lee Wiggins. And yes. Remember the name of that band? I Mike Bulgaris was in the band. Yes, Mike Bulgaris <laughs> and uh, Lee Wiggins, who uh, he plays in another band and he's 
great musician. And, yeah, he, um, his band. Just um, I band. just I just saw on Facebook they're going to have a live streaming thing. I think on Monday it's called Lezebu Grand or something like that. Yeah, they're awesome. We've played a couple of shows with them. It's oh yeah, um, that's got another Turner guy and uh, Hutch, and he's awesome too. Oh, who's Hutch? I don't know Hutch. Hutch, he actually works in the legal department at Turner. Can you talk about Bruce Joyner a little bit? Did you tour with him across the country? We did some small touring. Mainly, we recorded, wrote songs, did music, and played around Atlanta and the surrounding area. And we actually had a number one song in France for three weeks um, called The World Needs a Little More Love. And that sort of helped us keep putting records out. Didn't make a lot of money from it, but we did get to enjoy a lot of creating art. And can they can people find that on YouTube? Yes, uh, you I mean I'm sorry on iTunes. Joyner, the bands I, I play with him in a couple other bands, but if you just type in Bruce Joyner, you'll find a bunch of our music on there. And um, and what was the name of the song, song that went did, in France for three weeks? What was the name of the song? Um, the world needs a little more love. There's actually a French band that covered that, which is sort of cute too. <laughs> and they did, a, yeah. they got a video. I've done some videos for some of the songs. If you look up, I know I did one for a song called Swamp Fox. And a, one that I really like, a song that I like is, um, she's a rocker. If you look up Bruce Joyner, she's a rocker. That's a video I did also. That's been fun too, creating videos for the band. The new band I'm in is called Dysfunctionals. And yeah, I almost saw you. I'm going to come see you, but I almost saw you that one night. And uh, yes. I think you went on late or something. Yes. So, how are you holding out during the? Uh, I know you guys stay close to home. You have a girlfriend. Are you been able to hang out with your kids? Yeah, I see my kids once a week. Right now, my daughters are in uh, North Carolina with friends uh, at the beach, and they finally got out of their house. My son is going to go in July with me and my daughters and some friends. Uh, my son is trading stocks now, but I, I see them once or twice a week. Uh, during COVID, it was once a week, really, just because I was like, okay, I want to see you, but not too much. What about yeah. you? What about your son? Copeland is in Brooklyn now and, you know, things are, you know, they have, they've been sort of stuck inside a bunch, but I'm hoping that, you know, eventually, you know, the restrictions will be lifted somewhat, you know, to where they're able to go out and, you know, enjoy more of the outside. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. New York is starting to open up. Yes, um, around Atlanta, I've seen people at restaurants. We went to uh, the beach um, a couple weeks ago, and and all the restaurants were open. They had social distancing, but all the restaurants were open. Yes, um, that's had, been interesting too. I, same thing here, where nobody seems to be wearing a mask now, except for us. Yeah, but, you're sending me something. <laughs> you sent me something about that. Nobody was mask, wearing masks. Doctor uh, Seuss mask I made. But um, yeah, it's it's been um, we had not played any music until last weekend. We got together at the bass player 
slash guitar player John Armstrong's house. And we got to, uh, we played outside. He's got this big, you know, like eight acre sort of farm old house and we played outside. And so we could play music and still be far apart here at the house. Uh, my girlfriend, partner Tracy, she's been getting into a lot of art lately. So we've been doing this window painting and that's been really fun too. So it's just, you know, trying to stay busy creating and, you know, there's a high doing art, you know, playing music, whatever you're, whatever you have to get through the day. I think it's important, you know, even reading, which people don't do as much anymore. Absolutely, man. Um, It was great. Great talking to you, man. It was great talking to you. And, um, so last thing, just I know you want to go, um, advice you would give to young artists, young musicians, young people who want to get into TV. What is your advice for like a long career? And obviously you've done a ton of different things, but what what advice would you give? Well, working in the entertainment industry, the number one advice I always give is be nice to everybody because the guy that may be your assistant today may be your boss next year so you have to be yeah. not i mean just be nice <laughs> so to everybody because it, it happens a lot you know mm-hmm. people you're working with maybe working under you and then they're the president of the company so and it's just a good policy anyway to be nice and always speak of people in a nice way and be kind to people yeah that's the my best advice you know yeah absolutely and anything for musicians and People want to make it in music, just keep well, playing. I mean, for keep- me, you know, music and art is not about making money. I know that, you know, it's you just have to play music and create art because it's something you do that fills a void. But if you're doing it to make money, I think you're in the wrong business unless you want to play in a cover band, which is sort of to me like, you know, you know, copying art, you know, you're not really creating anything. So if you're that, that way, maybe you're in it for the money, but if you're just in it to enjoy it, you just have to do it and love what you do because you're not going to really make any money off of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Uh, I love the background. Uh, I can't really (laughs) see it right now, but I love that you got the guitar and the uh, amp back there and thanks for doing this. And uh, we will talk soon, man. We have to, we went out to see what did we go to see Depeche Mode night or something uh, with Emilio, yeah, like, um, some sort of eighties night. Uh, went dancing and yeah, drinking. That was fun. But we'll have to do yeah. that again. We'll have to all meet up. Yes, I'd like to meet up for a beer sometimes. Awesome, and, man. Uh, all right, take care, man. Good to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. To Thanks, you. buddy. Take care. Okay, bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Lights Camera Pro podcast where entertainment pros talk about how they made their dream into a career. Go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks to Bob Jurgens for the Rockin' VO and Joseph McDade for the music. Next week, we have a great guest. It's Ashley King of the Nurture Your Zest podcast. She's out of England. She's doing all kinds of stuff. She's going for her master's. It's going to be a great, great interview. She has so many incredible stories. Check it out next week.